Chapters forty seven through forty nine of Out of the Shadow by Rose Gollop Cohen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty seven. The next day was Friday, and Israel kept his store closed in the evening. He came to our house about seven o'clock and showed us two little tickets which were still unfamiliar to my family and myself. These are for the theatre, he said, for tonight. The children looked at me with bright eyes. You will tell us all about it, they said, and mother looked quite excited as she helped me dress. I remembered Mr. Cohen's shop and recalled what I had heard the men say about plays and actors. I thought, perhaps I'll see Jacob Adler in King Lear. We walked to the theatre in silence. Indeed, we were never anything else but silent. This was the second time I was out alone with him. The first time had been when we went to get the ring. Then I merely felt awkward while walking with him but now i felt nervous and miserable the silence oppressed me and as we walked along his sleeve as if by design kept coming in contact with mine and i kept edging away but very slowly so as not to hurt his feelings for i was not sure if it was by design that he brushed against my sleeve in our seats in the balcony it was the same way he was very attentive but chiefly with looks and his elbow was on the arm of my seat I pressed into the farthest corner and the edge of the arm cut into my back. I sat and could think of nothing but how to keep clear. Of the play I have a blurred picture of an angry king, dressed in scarlet and white, on a throne, and a throng of people. I knew the play was not King Lear. The walk home was again a silent one, through the streets now almost deserted. I remember how glad I was when I caught sight of our tenement. I never remembered it looking so nice as it did now in the pale light of the street lamp which stood right in front of it. The hall door, as usual, stood open, and the light shone through the hall all the way to our door. I stopped in the doorway, and Israel stopped on the stoop. I felt under obligation to him. I felt that I ought to say something, but could not think what. So I said good night and turned to go when he called, Ruth. His voice sounded so muffled. I faced about, and he came and stood near me. I want one kiss, he said. I felt panic-stricken. Oh, I couldn't, I said. I couldn't possibly. Indeed, I couldn't. But we are engaged now, he said in a hurt tone, as if he felt he were within his rights. Then it was, or had I been realizing it little by little all along, that it flashed through my mind what married life may mean with a person for whom one does not care. I stepped backward toward the door, repeating again and again, I couldn't possibly. I am sorry, but I couldn't. And then I knocked. Israel said good night and walked down the steps, and Mother let me into the front room lit by the tiny night lamp. How was it? she whispered. I whined. I am tired. She tiptoed away meekly, and I sat down on the couch and wondered how I was to live through the night. In the morning, when Mother came into the front room and looked at me, she cried out, my god how you look do you feel so sick why did you not call me i am not sick i said then i broke down i told her that i could not marry israel i clung to her and begged her not to blame me she spoke tenderly and tried to quiet me the children gathered around the couch and father came in i expected he would upbraid me but he was as tender as mother who stood with her arms tight about me hush hush he said if you feel so unhappy you need not marry him and won't i be forced i asked 
you won't be forced can no one force me there were tears in his eyes no one can force you still i kept asking it over and over again and laughed and cried hysterically my mother helped me over to her own bed in the bedroom and i tried to rest i lay facing the door and could see all the way through the kitchen into the front room where mother and father talked in whispers and the children walked about on tiptoes i lay wondering what father would tell israel he would come to-day for this was saturday and he kept his store closed he came about one o'clock i saw him stop for a moment with his back against the door and stand there almost smiling my parents greeted him about as usual but more quietly soon i heard mother say still more quietly ruth does not feel well he was not at the door now and i could not see his face but i heard him ask anxiously did you have a doctor shall i call one mother answered something all this seemed to me unnecessary conversation why doesn't father tell him i wondered suddenly a fear came over me perhaps father would not tell him after all i remembered now that he had such a way of putting off doing a thing when we children wanted it done and the more we wanted it the more reason he saw why it should be put off wouldn't next day do or next week what is the hurry we must learn to be patient and wait so i thought that now too he might put off telling israel he might even think that if he let it go for a while this little storm about my not wanting to marry would soon blow over and things would be as usual i was in despair again what shall i do i wondered then it occurred to me to take the thing into my own hands i was sorry i was not dressed but i could not stop to do it now not ten minutes longer could i bear to be engaged i called to mother and asked her to tell israel that i wanted to talk to him mother went slowly back to the front room as he was coming in i could not see his face very distinctly for the light was at his back but i could see that it looked anxious and was sorry knowing that i would soon hurt him he came and leaned up against the doorpost he asked me too whether he should call a doctor i answered something and then i was silent i did not know where to begin or what to say suddenly i burst out that i did not want to get married and wept bitterly with my head in the pillow i said i was sorry for the unpleasantness and the trouble but i would not get married i would never marry at all but why he asked finally his voice sounded as if he did not take me seriously a moment before i had decided not to tell him to spare him the hurt now when i saw he did not take me seriously there was only one thought in my mind to be free of the engagement so i said because i do not love you oh he said in a matter-of-course tone you will love me after we are married and then he gave me many instances of his uncles and aunts and his mother i was in despair how could i impress it upon him that for me this thing was impossible and then it flashed through my mind how i could make him see it in the moment i sat up and in my eagerness i stretched out my hand and laid it on his sleeve and he came a step nearer Listen i said you wanted to kiss me last night i could see that he felt a little guilty that was all right i said i can imagine that if i loved you it would have made me happy but as it is the very thought of it drives me mad even in that light i could see that his face changed colour and he stepped back and leaned heavily against the door as i saw him weaken i quickly followed up my advantage i took the little ring from under the pillow and pressed it into his hand now go i begged him 
i am so sorry but please go go and he went and i sat and watched him his step was unsteady and his back more bent than usual he looked like a little old man chapter forty eight that night a message came from israel's mother she said i pray that you may have a thousand bridegrooms but not one shall you marry i wish you no other ill but this mother cried bitterly and father who had been so quiet so silent all afternoon went out into the street still without saying a word only now i really believed that the engagement was off and now all my troubles seemed small i rose and dressed in my old clothes i did not think they looked so shabby and faded nor were the shoes so clumsy and large i was not sorry for what had happened i was never sorry for any experience i had had at the time when it was hard i could not help grumbling but later i was even glad this thing i knew i went to mother and tried to comfort her i crept up to her mouse fashion we all loved fondling but we were not used to showing it mother looked at me sideways and said go away mouse but i saw the shadow of a smile in one corner of her mouth so i pressed closer to her don't cry i said when you and father are old and the children are all married you will be glad to have someone left at home later that night when the children gathered around the lamp on the table to do their lessons for monday i too sat down among them and as i watched them write i suddenly remembered the diary i had read in israel's home i took a sheet of paper and a pencil and wrote a few words in yiddish of course then i crossed them out and wrote again trying to improve them so i kept rubbing and crossing out but finally when i was at the bottom of the page a sentence stood clear which i translate now i feel new joy in life and in freedom i often attempted to write about what i felt or thought or saw most of the time after i wrote a sentence and the meaning was not clear at once i grew despondent and tore it up but sometimes i was patient and determined like to-night and when i succeeded i felt extremely happy and kept the bit of paper i kept what i wrote that night and a few days later i copied it into a little penny notebook i was determined that i too would write a diary though i did not clearly know what a diary was when next i wrote in the little book i had already been working two weeks the shop in which i found myself now was a piecework shop not of the better kind the work was cheap the prices low and the men scarcely lifted their head except to crack jokes oh those jokes i was older now and it was harder to sit among the men and listen i translate what follows the first sentence in the little book i hate the shop i feel sick i feel tired i cannot see any meaning in life this time i made a great effort to keep at work and i kept up as long as i was able to walk to the shop then again i lay on my back on the couch and now it was as usual in our house but now i did not care i did not care about anything all i wanted was to be left lying still there were days when i scarcely felt any life when i could not feel the couch under me my body seemed to be suspended in the air and millions of specks of brown dust danced before me one day as i lay so i felt a touch on my wrist this touch had become familiar since i had been ill it was a doctor's touch i opened my eyes and saw a woman a stranger sitting beside the couch neither in looks nor in dress had i ever seen any one like her in our neighbourhood she was also beautiful and distinguished how do you feel she asked me her lips smiled but her eyes remained almost sad 
she spoke to mother in german gave her a card and went away i spelled out the printed name on the card lillian d wald two sixty five henry street again i translate from the little book though it was a long long while before i wrote what follows miss wald comes to our house and a new world opens for us we recommend to her all our neighbors who are in need the children join clubs in the nurse's settlement and i spend a great deal of time there miss wald and miss brewster treat me with affectionate kindness i am being fed up i am to be sent to the country for health for education the morning before i was to start miss wald herself went with me to get me a hat we did not go to a millinery shop but what i now think must have been a sort of a class in the little henry street school she asked for a hat that would stay well on my head in all kinds of weather in the afternoon i washed all my clothing how i worked mother said i looked like the old rile i went to bed and made her promise to call me early but when she stood at the couch in the morning it was as though through a mist that i saw her face later in the day i saw even more indistinctly first i saw miss wald moving about the room then miss brewster on the table there was a red flower in a glass of water and a little white unfamiliar bowl mother saw me looking at it and brought it to me you see she said trying to interest me it is jelly and when you feel better you can have some still later the settlement doctor sat at the couch and mother was weeping bitterly in a week i felt well enough to go about again but now the doctor and miss wald thought i had better go to the hospital first and get quite strong and so it was that i missed the opportunity of the education for it never came again chapter forty nine it was not an easy thing for my people to send me to the hospital for the very word filled us with fear how could a helpless sick person be trusted to strangers besides it was quite understood that in the hospital patients were practised upon by hardened medical students and then neglected whenever we saw any one miserable dirty neglected we would say he looks like a hegdish hospital and so we saw our neighbours all about us borrow and pawn but keep their sick at home and when once in a while we saw a person taken to the hospital we looked after him mournfully as if he were already carried to the burial grounds it was also an open acknowledgment of the direst poverty and so miss wald had a great deal of reasoning and persuading to do and my parents had a great deal to overcome to consent late one afternoon then with a change of clothing and a little bundle under my arm and a letter from miss wald in my hand i started out for the part of the city we called uptown as strange to me as if it were in a different country and now a great experience was to be mine never again could i look upon the life i was leaving in the same way for i was to have a glimpse into a different world as i rode along in the grand street and third avenue surface cars i asked this one and that one about my destination and was glad to hear that people knew about the place i felt a little scared i did not know what i would find at last i stood before the building of the presbyterian hospital and then before the clerk's desk your name and address he asked i gave it can your father pay i had never yet been confronted by this question and my face burned after a moment i had to admit that he could not what does your father do a tailor how much does he earn eight dollars sometimes ten how many are there in the family six beside myself take a seat please 
soon a man came in and i followed him through wide halls where our footsteps echoed we went up in an elevator and i was taken into an immense room with two rows of white beds and in each bed a pale face then i saw a nurse like the nurses in the settlement and i felt reassured at once she led me to a chair at an empty bed put two screens about me set hurriedly and without looking at me undress please and went away i felt bewildered she could not have meant that i thought and i sat still at home the only time we went to bed was when we could not stand on our feet but i was well now i also realized that the nurse would come and go as she pleased and there was nothing but a screen between myself and all those faces that i saw in the beds the more i thought over it the more impossible it seemed that i had caught the right english words but what did she mean i sat and blamed myself for not having been more attentive the english spoken here and by the nurses in the settlement was so different from the yiddish english that i knew but i soon forgot all about it as i looked around at the snow-white bed beside me and at the little table with a glass top and at the screens forming the walls of a small room and i thought with joy this is going to be my room and these are my things over the bed there was also a large window which i claimed at once the light from the setting sun was streaming in and the muslin walls of the tiny room were colored rose i was looking about me and out of the window and reality was slipping further and further away presently i saw as in a dream a small round-toed boot push one side of the screen away a very little and the nurse came in carrying a small tub of water and when she saw me sitting there just as she had left me she put down the tub on the table placed her hands on her hips and looked at me inside and her eyes said very plainly well what kind of a being is this anyway half an hour later i lay flat on my back and my wet hair was spread out on a towel over the pillow when the screen was taken away i saw that mine was the last bed in a row of ten facing ten other beds a few days later when the clock struck two visitors began to come in i saw that they were all gentiles and mostly americans all the women wore hats they came in quietly and their faces looked calm i sat up and watched the door i scarcely dared to hope that my mother would come that she would be able to get away but she did she stopped in the doorway and looked eagerly from bed to bed her face was flushed and she wore her little shawl on her head when she saw me she almost ran over the highly polished floor and i was afraid she would fall all the people stared at her and then at both of us when she sat on my bed her face was covered with perspiration if i had had difficulty in finding my way to the hospital what must the trip have been for her who could neither speak nor understand a word of english i had wonderful things to tell her and much she could see for herself about the cleanliness and the care patients received and about the food which i thought fit for holidays though i could not at once like it for our foods are more highly seasoned the meat and juice which the doctor ordered i had not touched because it was treif meaning that the cattle had not been killed in accordance with the jewish law but mother told me that i must eat everything and get strong you are not here for pleasure she said take it as you would medicine and so it was that i now had to break the vow i had made to myself when i came to this country not to eat treif meat mother went away happy and reassured and i remained still happier than she End of chapter 49